We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome into another edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. It is the week of signing day. We will have a loaded edition on Wednesday night, Thursday morning for you to recap everything. Plus, as you might be able to tell, the schedule adjusted a little bit with football having wrapped up the regular season and the Big 12 championship game now as we anticipate the Peach Bowl and we dive into full basketball mode, baseball, softball preview mode, and of course, Peach Bowl preparation mode. So as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to hear the first press conference from Lincoln Riley and Ed Orgeron. This was from a little bit later last week. We'll wrap up the podcast so you can hear all of that. I caught up with Dee Westbrook to talk a little bit, not just about the Sooners, but his experience going through the Heisman process. And you'll hear from Sherry Cole and Lon Kruger on this action-packed edition. Here's one other note. While we tape this, there's also the realization that there is one final press conference in Norman, I believe, or at least meeting with the media tomorrow. So uh, as we tape this late on a Monday night, we'll have yet another episode that'll probably drop late on a Tuesday night into a Wednesday, and then we'll have obviously our signing day show, uh, show as well. So you'll have about three extra episodes this week of the Sooner Sports Podcast after we kind of caught our breath and reset everything last week. And, and for the diehards. I owe you a full play-by-play podcast version of the Oklahoma-Baylor Big 12 championship game. 
I know that I had promised it last week. We had put the second half and the post game with commercial breaks on the podcast, and it set all of our podcast download records. I mean, it blew them out of the water. So here is the promise I'll make to you. This weekend, this Saturday, no college football games outside of a handful of bowl games that might not necessarily have our unfiltered attention. We will drop the full play-by-play broadcast, commercial-free, from the scene setter to the sign-off by Toby Rowland of the Big 12 championship game. That promise I make to you here on this Monday night. So let's get after it, shall we? A big one this weekend for the OU men's basketball team in Wichita State. The Sooners are already in Creighton. They're already in Omaha, I guess I should say, getting set for a showdown with Creighton. And after the Sooners fell to Wichita State on the road, Toby Rowland caught up with head basketball coach Lon Kruger. Pretty obvious, yeah. When you look at the the, the buckets they got at critical times and stat sheet itself, uh, we've got to get five guys down in there, scratch around a little bit more. We're not very big from a stature standpoint, so uh, we got and we got to give uh, those uh, guys that started a little bit more of a break. Uh, you know, played played too many minutes. So we got to get more guys ready to step in and contribute uh, in better ways. That a significant concern of yours heading into conference play with some of the, you know, front lines you're going to see at Kansas and West Virginia and so forth. For sure, absolutely. Uh, being more physical, rebounding the ball better uh, uh, is probably the top of the list uh, when you think about uh, things we got to continue to work on. Interesting game tonight. It was really a. A game of runs, especially there in the second half. It looked like maybe you had grabbed control of it. You had an eight-point lead with the basketball, and but they had the last last run on you there. Yeah, they got uh, they got a good run, and I think at that time, uh, you know, we didn't uh, we didn't uh, you know, do a good job of keeping them out of the paint. I thought they were, you know, way too uh, uh, flowing too easily into the paint. Didn't do a good job for the weak side. Uh, again. Uh, uh, the crowd got into it, and the crowd was great, and a great experience for us. And uh, uh, disappointed that we uh, didn't hang on and get in the right column. Encouraged by what you saw out of Davion tonight? Yeah, for sure. You know, great to see him uh, play with the the confidence, the rhythm. Uh, jumped up there and, and made shots. He's been working really hard in practice. You know, after practice, before practice, getting extra shooting in. To, so for him to see some go in, fantastic. It looked like that tonight more than in the past. You kind of played Jamal on the ball a little bit more, Davion off of it. Is that an accurate observation? It is, yeah, absolutely. Trying to free Davion up a little bit. Yeah. You know, take take some of that burden off his shoulders. Uh, Jamal, I think, uh, at the point, you know, now you get Jamal making some shots as well. But, uh, but yeah, I think Davion uh, looked more free tonight, uh, uh, more able to attack uh, from the wing than he had been at the point. Interesting night for Austin Reeves. I know he's had this game circled on the calendar forever, and he got booed every time he touched the ball. What did what, 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 you think of his night? Well, again, I thought uh, you know he battled. He, he competed yeah. hard. Uh, got up to a little bit of a, a frantic start, and that, that didn't help him any. I thought a couple shots early, uh, he wanted to kind of get in the flow and get it going, and he didn't get those down. So that was a little bit rough start for him. But uh, no doubt he's going to compete throughout. Big picture, you, you you faced a big tough crowd tonight. This was a great home game for Wichita State. You got another one coming on Tuesday. They're going to pack that place up at Creighton. This is a good preparation for you for for league play coming up when you're going to face a absolutely. bunch of crowds like no, this. No, absolutely. You know, uh, that's why you, you you like these type of games. Certainly you want to get them in the right column. But but I thought, uh, you know, for 30 minutes we, we did some things, got off to a little bit of a slow start, and then uh, 20 minutes there uh, in the middle, I thought we did some things that we want to do and uh, want to continue to work on doing. And then uh, just got to handle uh, handle that uh, run that uh, Wichita State put together a little better. Final score, 80-75 on Saturday night. 
Sooners sit on the season right now at 7-2 and two overall. And again, that tip time for Creighton will be right around 7.30 tonight. We'll have you covered on the Sooner Radio Network. It will also be available on Fox Sports 1. Well, it was a heck of a performance by the Oklahoma Sooners women's basketball team as they just flat out dominated Sam Houston State. This after an impressive win over LSU when they beat the Tigers 90-68 to last Saturday. They follow that up with a Sunday win over Sam Houston State this past weekend. Final score 95-71. to They're getting ready for a home game against Drake tonight at 7 p.m. After the Sooners went over Sam Houston State, Sherry Cole caught up with Brian Brinkley. Coach, congratulations on the win. I thought a pretty balanced effort from your team tonight. Had four players in double figures. We talked in the pregame about them fouling a lot. They certainly did that. You went to the free throw line a ton in this game, 37 free throws, and you forced a lot of turnovers on their side, 26 of them. Yeah, oh, and we got to be better free throw shooters. We really yeah. do. I, I mean, it didn't affect us today, but you can't leave that many free points on the table. Uh, I thought our attack was good. Uh, we, we handled the ball against the press well, against the pressure, I should say, wherever it was in the backcourt or the frontcourt, and uh, made pretty good decisions about shot selection and trying to finish through contact. But then you got to make people pay for that. You, that's, what, 11? Did we leave? I didn't, wasn't paying attention to you. 11, I think, that we left uh, on the table there. So um, if we got a little bit undisciplined ourselves and fouled yeah. in the second half, uh, and we, we got to do a better job of that. We lost our discipline in defensive transition a little bit as well. Um, but I, I thought for the most part, um, our focus and our, our being present, as we talked about pregame, was pretty good. Well, and I didn't get the number of what you had at, at the end of the first quarter, but you had a pretty good amount of turnovers. So your last three quarters were really solid in terms of valuing the basketball with 18 total. It seemed like it was seven or eight after the first quarter. I think it was seven. Uh, the first quarter and the fourth quarter is kind of where they appeared. In the yeah. second and the third, we were we were pretty good with the basketball. I'm just looking at the free throw line. I can do math. I, didn't, I just didn't know what those numbers were. <laughs> yeah, 13. <laughs> Again, for the second game in a row, you don't shoot a ton of threes, but very efficient with the threes. Seven of 14. And uh, when Taylor Robertson shooting threes, they usually go in. I give the credit to that, to her getting looks at the basket with everybody um, ascertaining threshold at the beginning of a possession. And we call those trigger reads. How are you guarded when you catch it? Are they, have they flattened the threshold? Are they up in you? Then you put the ball on the floor and you move off penetration. And we got to the rim a ton, especially in the first quarter. And then that caused them to have to start helping and rotating. And that's how Taylor gets loose in the third. So uh, it all starts. You have to get that thing started by going downhill and attacking the basket. Second game in a row, Maddie's come off the bench, and she said two really good games. Gets a double-double today for you, 16 points, 10 rebounds. Yeah, I, I thought she was terrific, and I, I thought she really uh, was disciplined and is so um, even keel. You know, she catches the ball at the block, and there's all kinds of physicality, and she's going up strong and misses and finds a way to get the rebound and go back up again and just never gets emotional about it all, just continues to play through all that. I thought she was really good in most all phases of the game. A lot of switching. She got caught on some fast guards a few times and did a good job of keeping them in front, staying square in the channel. I thought Mandy on the glass, too. I can't believe she only had nine rebounds. I feel like every yeah. one of them was like, wow, like she really had to fight and work for it. But when we get 19 boards out of those two guys, uh, we're going to win a lot of games. Well, and sometimes I feel like 
I at least, I don't know if you do, but I take Ana Yanusa for granted, but she really sparked you there in that 20 to two run there in the second quarter where you really kind of took command of the game. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I really don't take her for granted. That kid works as hard or harder than anybody every day in practice. I never have to challenge Ana's effort. And uh, with a kid like that who plays that hard, you have a chance as a team to be really special. I thought she used her speed extraordinarily well today. And by that, I mean, she didn't go 4,000 miles an hour the whole game. She just chose her spots. Yeah. And then it really stood out. She did it both defensively in an anticipatory role. She did it in transition when she had the ball in her hand, just a little hezo dribble, and then she comes with the full speed. And then she did it in the half court when she's taking handoffs and coming off on balls. A pretty good line here for Tatum Weitenheimer. Six points, six assists, and six steals tonight. Yeah, I, my first eye, as a, as a former point guard, um, my first eye goes to the turnover column. And she had five of those, but she took it away from them six times. And yeah. as long as she can do that, we're going to be in business. But I thought she handled um, the, the pressure with great poise. I don't think her turnovers happened because of backcourt pressure. I'll have to go back and watch the film to be sure. But I think her turnovers came from wanting someone to be open when they weren't and, and just not letting the moment reveal to her what the next play should be. Uh, but again, I thought you know, she had a couple of uh, clever offensive rebounds where she goes back up and scores and then gets steals in transition, gets us easy points um, in, in the breakaway. And, and that's uh, that's good stuff from your point guard. Sometime around here, I was going to ask you what the status was on Liz Scott. We found out today and she came into the game and boom, <laughs> immediate impact. Some good, some bad. Four <laughs> points, four fouls in like three minutes. But yeah, we saw the potential there immediately. It's going to be a record for fouls. Uh, <laughs> that's eagerness. That's when you've been bottled up for a year and not been allowed to play. Uh, I love the fact that she was aggressive. That's the one thing you look for because you can pull kids back off of that. It's really hard if they're passive right. to push them toward it. So I have no problem with that at all. You can tell that she has a, a nose uh, for the ball and a nose for the game. Uh, she was lost as a goose a couple times on defense, but on offense, she knows what to do yeah. with that ball. So um, she's going to help us a lot. And we're going to use these next few weeks uh, over Christmas break to really try to get her quality reps and, and get her ready for conference Did play. Did she just get cleared recently to be able to play? This week. Okay. This week. She came back and had her first full practices uh, starting on Tuesday or Wednesday. So it, was this about the timetable you anticipated with her? Yeah, maybe. Uh, we we were hopeful. We were hopeful that we could get her in some games before the holiday break so that she could feel some rhythm going into uh, conference play, and looks like we're going to be able to do that. And a last word about a pretty good team coming to town Tuesday night. Drake picked to win the Missouri Valley this year. We saw them beat Iowa State earlier this year. Really good team. Uh, they've got the Valley Player of the Year returning on their squad. They understand how to play. They play really good offense. They play pretty basketball. Yeah. They play really fast. Uh, they want to push in transition. They can all score. So we've got our work cut out for us and a quick turnaround here. Yeah. So a big night for basketball tonight. Two big games on the docket, including the OU men's team on Fox Sports 1 traveling to Omaha to take on Creighton and Sherry Cole's crew looking to make it three straight at home tonight against Drake. Get your tickets by going to Soonersports.com slash tickets. Well, it was another it was another amazing weekend in New York for the Oklahoma football program. Jalen Hurts finished as the runner-up to the Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow. Of course, those two will square off on December 28th in the Peach Bowl. Burrow, of course, the starting quarterback for LSU. Jalen, I think I don't need to tell you, the starting quarterback for the University of Oklahoma. In the meantime, I had a chance 
Thanks to SiriusXM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Check it out when you get an opportunity to catch up with one Dee Westbrook last week and get the former, well, actually, uh, as the great, late, great Taco used to tell us, there's no such thing as a former Sooner. As the one-time Sooner standout, always a Sooner, D.D. Westbrook talked about just what the experience has been like getting ready for the Peach Bowl with so many LSU teammates. But what's it been like now with a couple of LSU guys on the roster? Has this smack talk already started as we count down to the Peach Bowl oh, or what? Oh, 100, 100%. Uh, the, smack talk, the smack talk started whenever we beat Baylor. I mean, we knew we were going to get in. We knew LSU was going to jump to number one. So I sent Leonard Fournette and DJ Shark a text message right away saying what's up on the game, you know, and that we were going to win. So uh, the trash the talk been started. Hey, Didi, what's it been like for you to follow from afar? I mean, has, over the last couple of seasons, again, you there's not many guys in two years that made as big of an impact as you did at Oklahoma, but has it been fun to follow the Sooners and go back? Oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, that's, that's like a second home to me. You know, they always embrace me with open arms. And so uh, whenever I go back, I interact with the, friend, with the fans. I do tailgates, different fun things like that, uh, pretty much showing my pr- appreciation and giving back to those guys. Hey, educate me. How weird has it been to see a little bit of a different approach the last few weeks with this scene? I know you're with this team. I know you're prepping, and I don't know how much you get to follow, Didi, but we're seeing him run the ball a lot more. We're seeing CD having to do a little bit more run block, and how unique has that been to watch the last few weeks? I mean, it's been – I mean, obviously we know we can scheme up plays, and uh, you know what, Coach Riley, you know, he's probably one of the greatest offensive coaches, you know, in college football – but uh, being able to run the ball, you know, he kind of stressed that a lot, you know, pretty much being a balanced offense, you know, being able to throw the ball just as well as run it and running the ball is going to open up the pass. And so uh, once you sit down with him and understand like his mindset, his mindset and concepts of uh, his offensive scheme, like you understand it a lot more. And, and CD, obviously, he's a great football player, a baller, probably one of the best receivers in OU history, you know, because he is the whole package. He can block downfield, obviously run routes and catch the football, but people don't don't see that you know, which is uh, him being able to go down the field and make a block, a key block for that running back. Didi, I want to talk about you personally, but real quick, since we're on the Sooners and you were mentioning CD, he was coming in as, as you were moving on to the NFL. What Did you ever really get to see anything in him? Were you involved in the recruiting? And, and have you seen a guy that's grown as much as he appears to have physically and mentally over his three seasons? Uh, craziest thing. So my senior year there, you know, they always bring me bring me into like a, a room and they'll sit down and watch me, make me watch the like highlights of the guys that's coming in and ask me what I think of them. So when Marquise Brown, you know, uh, was up, you know, they were showing me him, Hollywood. They were just like, what do you think about this guy? And I was like, oh, he's fast, you know what I mean? Like he's electric, like he's going to be great. He's going to do big things, you know what I mean? And then they were like, what do you think about his size? And I was like, his size don't matter. Look at my size, you know? <laughs> and then they, show, then they showed me CD and I was like, this guy's real deal. You know, they were like, he had, what, almost 2,000, 3,000 yards receiving or something in high school, like crazy numbers, you know, and they was like, look at it, his name's CD, and then you got DD, and I was <laughs> like, dude, that guy's like destined for great things. Like he, in high school, you could tell he was a phenomenal athlete. Man, that's pretty cool uh, that Dennis Simmons would have that faith in you and, and the coaches just kind of say, hey, what do you think of these guys? I, I feel like Coach Simmons doesn't get talked about enough. He was the guy that brought you to Oklahoma, right? Well, he played a huge part in it, and it, right. it was our, our relationship was so crazy. So me coming out of junior college, uh, Dennis Simmons, he was a wide receiver coach at Washington State, 
at that point. And then he came down to my junior college. He was like, hey, D.D., like, I, I want to offer you a scholarship and I want to bring you out to Washington State. And I was like, Coach, man, to be completely honest with you, I was like, Washington State, that's way too far from my family, you know, my children, and, and just trying to get to and from, you know, home to college. I was like, that's just too much. And he was like, okay, like, I understand. And then, like, boom, that was, like, kind of the last time I heard about him. And then, like, two weeks later, he ended up getting a job at Oklahoma. And I, like, I went and sat down with him. I was like, damn, I can't shake for nothing in the world. You know, and, he was, and he was just like, no, man, it's, it's going to be an honor being able to coach you. And so from that point, obviously me and him connected because we had that chemistry throughout the offseason, through that recruiting process. And so that, that's literally my guy. Oh, yeah, he's, he's something else. I, and you, you've been a part of it, and I've seen it, Didi, because I was the sideline reporter on radio for, you know, since 2011. He really knows how to talk to guys doesn't he, he kind of gets it right. maybe it's because he's a little younger maybe because he's a former receiver yeah. but he gets it doesn't he his thing is my thing as far as like coaching go you know because I've had different coaches throughout my life and the thing with coach Simmons that makes me like understand him a little more and relate to him more because he can relate to me he can relate to us as players you know what I mean because it's like he's come from where we come from He's been through the same background that we've been that we've been through. He lost a family member early in his life to the point where he pretty much had to survive on his own. You know what I mean? And so it's like he gets it what a typical, you know, person from poverty comes from. And so it's just easy for me to call on him and ask him throughout these different situations and times that I go through in my life because he's been there. You know what I mean? And so it's easy for me to like gravitate to him as far as the rest of the players on the team, and that's what makes him so much of a great coach because it's just like anybody can go out there and coach, but then it's up to the player to actually buy into what you're saying and listen. And so for him, it's like that's what gives him the upper hand because we, he's been through what we've been through and we know that, so that's why we listen and we learn from him. Mm, that's cool stuff. D.D. Westbrook is our guest. You're the only Oklahoma Sooner to ever win the Bolitnikoff. That could change tonight with C.D., but can you take us through what that moment was like for you? Because this is a pretty cool week. You know, you, you, you go to Atlanta, you'll be you're part of the Home Depot Award Show. For you, you went on to New York. I'll ask you about that in a second. But what was winning the Bolitnikoff? What was that like for you personally? Man, to be honest with you, I didn't even think I was going to win that award. <laughs> You know, uh, it was just like a surreal moment, you know, and Baker was telling me the whole entire way up there. He was like, D.D., like, be ready. You're going to win. And I was like, Baker, like, I don't see that happening. You know what I mean? Because it's just like coming from where I come from, obviously you don't reach those heights. You don't win those type of type of awards. You know what I mean? Like you put all that work in, that dedication in, but it's just like unlikely. And so uh, just hearing them call my name before my family and obviously my coaches who helped me get there, you know, the only thing I could think about at that time was my teammates. You know what I mean? Like pretty much – everything that they've done for me, like putting me in a position to get to where I was. And it was, like I said, a, a surreal moment. And then you moved on to New York. Uh, and it, it was kind of cool because you and Baker were there like lockstep with each other. What was that process? What was that week and that trip like? Man, to be completely honest, if, if, this, if this interview reach out to college players, I would tell them do everything that you possibly could to get to New York because it's like <laughs> – because, no, no, I'm being that serious. It's like once you get there, the way they treat you is like royalty. It's like your royalty there. You know, like anything you ask for, they have it on call. Like you would think they make everything right in the kitchen that you're at. You know what I mean? Like That's awesome. It, it's, it's insane. It's, it was pretty much like they had they have steak and chips, right? I don't <laughs> eat steak and chips. I've never heard of that before. They, was, they had steak, 
on, on chips. And I was like, don't nobody eat crunchy steaks. Like, what? And I was like, I want McDonald's. I was like, is there any way I could get McDonald's? They literally had my order from McDonald's to me within eight minutes. It was just like, I was, like anything that you asked for, they would have gave it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, that's how, I, I don't know. Like, I would encourage anybody to go to New York. It's like, oh, I, I want a Lamborghini. Boom, there's a Lamborghini. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, that's how on call they were. That's how, like, oh, my God. It was like, I would do anything to go back to that to the Heisman ceremony. Oh, that's awesome. Now, did, had you grown up? What, was it a goal of yours? And, again, for those that know, I mean, Didi's a great story of, of started from in, in the bottom and ending up in a very special place right now. And I, and I know you're, you're very aware of that and you're very – uh, you give back to the community, but had that been a goal of yours growing up? Did you see yourself as someone who could win the Heisman, go to the Heisman ceremony, win the Blitnikoff? Ne- never. Like, okay, so where I come from is like Cameron, Texas, population of 5,000 people. I'm the first person ever in my town or the surrounding areas to go and play professional anything. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a parade when I go back home. Because That's awesome. What I, The things that I've done, like, hasn't happened. And it's like, okay, like, you made it to the NFL, but not only that, like, in college, I've one uh, one of the most prestigious awards, you know what I mean, that's given out to a receiver. And then not only that, going to the Heisman ceremony and being one of the top five players in the country, you know, uh, finishing in that, in the rankings for the Heisman. And it's just like, bro, like, it's unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's just like certain things that you just don't do in life. And it's like one of those things that people would never accomplish. Didi, I'm going to ask you three more, and I'll get you out of here, man. We really appreciate your time. Didi Westbrook is our guest, former Sooner, current ja- – well, actually, there's no such such thing as a former Sooner. Sooner standout, current Jacksonville Jaguar. How important is it for you when you go back home to give back, Didi, to be a beacon for that community and that society? Man, uh, it's huge. But, I like, I go home and give back. So each year – well, Last year was my first year. Uh, I did a free camp, you know, for all the kids around the surrounding areas, whoever. 250 kids, you guys come out. We're going to have a free camp, free food, free everything, all on me. You know what I mean? And it's just like I just want to go back and show the kids in my hometown, like, yes, I'm the only one that made it out, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? And it's just like I want kids to look at me and be like, that's how I want to be, you know, to the point where it's like I want to grow up and be successful and then give back to my community. But my thing is it's like it's not all about my community you know i try to affect other places that i go to as well i plan on going back to norman and giving a free camp there you know and then out in jacksonville i do different things around the community here you know it's just like i just want to impact one kid you know what i'm saying if it's just one like sometimes you 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 want to affect a thousand kids but my mind is just set on one if i could change one person's life you know what i'm saying then he's going to change the next person's life and it's just going to trickle down so my thing is just trying to come in contact with, with one person and affect that one person and do good by them man that's great stuff dd 2015 was your first season it was also lincoln riley's first season we talk about dennis simmons when did you realize that he had the potential to not only be the next head coach at Oklahoma to really, but to really be special. Oklahoma to really, but to really be special. Because when he came into 2015, he was the offensive coordinator. Right. So my experience with Coach Raleigh, uh, great, great guy. You know, a man of his word. You know, pretty much everything that he says, he's going to do. He back it up. He's he's a man of integrity, and that's what I love about him. You know, when he first got the job, uh, my thing is, it's like when I came to OU, I was being recruited by Jay Norvell. You know, Kale Gundy, like it was a whole different coaching staff there whenever I was getting recruited. And, you know, the whole thing, like they fired a lot of people. And then Coach Raleigh and Coach Simmons and those guys came in. You know, and the first thing that Coach Raleigh did when he got there was 
bring us in for an individual meeting. And so when he sat me down, he looked at me square in the face, you know, and I told him straight up, I was like, no, I'm not going to transfer. Like, I'm a loyal dude, like, and I'm committed to wherever I go. And I was like, this is who I am. I was like, but at the end of the day, I have a family that I want to provide for and be there for, you know, and he was just like, Didi, I'm going to help you every step of the way, achieve that goal that you need to achieve. You just got to bear with me, you know, and just trust in me in this process. And I was like, you got my word. And he gave me his word. And here we are now. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. That's awesome. And you pulled a pretty good prank on him. You and Joe did. You know, He likes to tell oh, yeah. the story about right before the sugar bowl in 2016 yeah. after what was probably one of the wilder seasons after losing to your first three games you guys ran the table but uh take us through how you guys you and joe mixon really kind of fooled coach before the sugar bowl right uh me and joe came together we were just like uh we saw a lot of guys like backing out not playing in, in the bowl games because obviously they were trying to prepare themselves for the nfl draft you know, and so me and Joe, we came together and we were like, hey, man, let's just go tell Coach Riley that we're not going to play in bowl game, you know, and just just get him riled up, see what he say. And, oh, like, you should have saw his face, like, during the time. <laughs> like, it was just like he couldn't believe it. Like, there's no way. He was going to try to do everything in his power to stop us from from not trying to play in the bowl game. And, by the way, that was one heck of a game. You ended up scoring a touchdown. Joe had a big game as well, too, and it set the tone for a team that following year that went to the four-team playoffs. Listen, Didi, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, I'm so proud of you and so happy for you, and I think it's so cool when you come back to Norman how it's not just saying hi to coaches. It's everyone. It's the strength staff, even though it's a it's a new staff from when you were here, the nutrition staff. Everyone means a lot to you in with that football right. team and that program, don't they? Oh, most definitely, 100%. That's my family. I do love that. If there's any advice that D.D. Westbrook could give to you, go be a finalist for the Heisman. I, I tried. I just wasn't very good at sports. But uh, D.D. and the Jaguars have two more games left in their season. Good stuff from um, the Blitnikoff Award winner, only sooner Blitnikoff Award winner in OU program history. And we wrap things up with a little press conference, so we're going to go ahead and sign off and give you the full press conference to wrap things up. A reminder, we think there's some media availability coming up on Wednesday. As a matter of fact, as we're sitting here, it just uh, it just hit. Lincoln Riley will meet with the media tomorrow at about 11.30, so we will have that for you here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. And defensive coordinator Alex Grinch will meet with the media as well, too, tomorrow. So you'll get offense, defense, complete coverage tomorrow on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, enjoy the first four-team playoff press conference with Lincoln Riley at Ordron, Ryan Day from Ohio State, and Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. And until tomorrow, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. <laughs>
and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Thank you. We'll now turn it over to the coaches participating in the Peach Bowl here in Atlanta. Uh, please welcome Ed Orgeron. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be in the playoffs. Uh, congratulations, Debo, and the great year you've had, Lincoln, the great year you've had in Ohio State. I enjoy watching you guys play. Uh, honored for our football team to be in the playoffs. We have an outstanding group of young men that work very hard, and we're excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, next, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, to echo what these guys said, it's uh, certainly an honor to, to be back in the playoff. It's a very, very difficult thing to do, especially this day and age. So congratulations to, to the other teams. I think it's been so far another great year for, for college football. And I know this playoff is going to be uh, going to be very exciting. So I'm proud of our team for the, the accomplishment of getting here and looking forward to the game. Thank you, coaches. So we'll now open the floor for questions. Uh, please, again, raise your hand. Uh, wait for the microphone and state your name. <coughs> so if we can begin, we have one here on the right-hand side. To the left, questions? For uh, Coach Orgeron and Coach Riley, uh, Justin Felder from Fox 5 here in Atlanta. Coach Orgeron, what's the uh, benefit of being back in a city you were just in a week ago? And, and Coach Riley, have you taken a chance to kind of get the lay of the land, poke your head in the stadium as well uh, in your time here in Atlanta? Well, obviously, it's going to be a familiarity with the uh, Dome. It's our first time in the Dome, but a great place. You know, our guys are going to stay in the same hotel, so I think they're going to feel comfortable, but that won't matter come game time. Uh, yeah, no, no time right now. This uh, this one week of recruiting has, has made it a, an, inter an interesting week for, for all of us, but uh, now excited to get here, you know, to the city to bring the team here, certainly get to play in one of the great venues uh, in sports, and, uh, yeah, just can't wait to get here and get started. Over here. All right. Hey, coaches. I'm Anthony with the Atlanta Voice. Congratulations on being here. This is this question is particular for Lincoln. Uh, I know Ryan Day is is delayed with his flight right now, but just with your experience here at in the college football playoff and being able to go here, be in the playoff your first year, um, what does that say about coaching and just college football in general that you and Coach Day were able to make the playoff in your first year as head coaches. It says we took over pretty good programs. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to do. Uh, you know, it tells you that you've got really, really good staff around you. It tells you that you've got players that, that bought in at a very, very early point. Um, and I think those things are always the key. Hopefully Ryan will listen like I did to, to Coach Stoops. Coach Stoops told me, make sure and don't win it through your very first year. You got no chance after that. So, uh, um, but no, it's a, it's a great accomplishment, certainly for, for him and his staff and, uh, and his team. Hello, Coach Sweeney, uh, Jacques Doucet, WAFB TV in Baton Rouge, to your left in the back. Um, as a guy who was an interim head coach, who got the position and became very successful, just your thoughts on Ed Ogeron pretty much doing the same thing and the, what he's done at the LSU program? Well, it's incredibly uh, uh, special, you know, to, to be able to be a part of uh, that type of situation uh, because, you know, the chances of it all coming together and, and then, uh, you know, you getting the job usually is against you. Um, and so I certainly followed uh, Coach O uh, and, and all that he's done. Um, and uh, pulled for him, and it's great to see 
uh, him, get, him, him get the opportunity. And I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, you got to be a good fit. And uh, he certainly was a great fit uh, for LSU. And he's put, a, he's, he's put a good staff together. He's provided great leadership and stability. And, and I think more importantly, uh, belief. And, and he's brought some passion uh, into, uh, into that program. Not that they didn't have it before, but I just think it's, uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, and then what they've done offensively has been uh, incredible. So, uh, you know, I think he's a, a great coach and, uh, you know, one of the good people in the business and has worked his tail off uh, to have the opportunity. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. And uh, it's been fun to watch him have uh, the type of success that he's had. Thank you, Coach. <clears throat> coach Sweeney, Dan Matthews, right here in the back, hand up. Uh, Two-part question for you. Number one, can the Roy Buss roll when your team is the betting favorite in the game? But also, two, is that what you use for your team with two national titles to be able to make sure complacency doesn't set in? Uh, not really. I mean, <clears throat> you know, every year you start over, and uh, we, we remind ourselves of that all the time. you got to earn it uh, every single year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the Roy Buss is fueled up, and uh, – you know, for sure, uh, it's been easy this year. I mean, I've really had had to really do a whole lot. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm pretty well stated on that. I think uh, on, on the record on all that stuff. So, I think I think as a coach, y'all you, you take free fuel anytime you can get it. Uh, but you know, we got a good football team. Uh, we've earned our opportunity to get here, and I'm proud of them. At this point, it doesn't matter if you're one, two, three, or four. You're going to play a great team. And the margin for error is very small. And uh, we, we just wanted to be here and uh, to have that opportunity. So, uh, you know, we are what we are right now. We're, we're a team with a chance, and hopefully we can take advantage of that opportunity. Next question there on the aisle. Hey, uh, Coach Sweeney. It looked like Jeff Scott Saturday night already had an idea that that might be his last time, you know, as a Clemson coach. Was that a little bit extra special for you, you know, kind of – sending out one of your coaches to their own program. And then was it his idea or your idea for him to, to stay around and coach through the college football playoff? Um, and how special is that to kind of have him around for that last run? Um, yeah, we, we knew that that was uh, – well, take that back. We weren't 100% um, until Sunday that, uh, that he had the job. But I, I had kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod for Michael Kelly. I've known Michael Kelly a long time. He was our ACC uh, football operations guy, and then he was the CFP uh, guy uh, for the first few years there. So, uh, you know, he called me early. I talked to him early about uh, Jeff and and really felt like it was a great opportunity for him. And, uh, you know, we, we did everything we could to help him. I, I just think it was a great fit for Jeff and a great fit uh, for South Florida. And um, – uh, a great fit for Michael Kelly. So I, I'm just really happy for Jeff and, and Sarah and Savannah. Uh, Brad, you know, uh, Brad's uh, uh, going to be a huge asset for him. Uh, you know, pretty special to be able to have your dad alongside of you as you get this first opportunity to be a head coach. And he's been with me 12 years, so, you know, I just he's, it's like sending a son off to college, you know. Uh, he's kind of sad, but you know he's very well prepared. And I'm just really happy, happy for uh, South Florida. I'm happy for Jeff and um, how it all came together. And, you know, hopefully be some other guys uh, that uh, will get opportunity, you know, through Jeff's opportunity as well. So, 
you know, I don't really have a big coaching tree, but I got like a twig now and a, and a leaf uh, growing. Uh, so he'll do awesome. He'll, he'll, he's so well prepared and, and um, got off to a good start yesterday. So as far as, uh, you know, it wasn't really, a, wasn't really I mean, I, it was just one of the questions when I met with him last week was if this happens, you know, let's talk about a kind of a timeline and how we'd want this thing to, to go uh, and work and um, what's best for you. You know, uh, and and let me. I mean, I I, I I'm kind of excited that he's going to be gone for a little while, so I can I can take them wideouts back. Uh, that's kind of my 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 passion, and and uh, so my man Grisham. You know, he, Tyler Grisham is so well prepared. He was a great player for me, and and uh, you know played four years in the pros, and then he's been back with me six years. He was a GA for three years, and then he's been a player development guy for three years. So. He's been very patient, very well prepared for this opportunity. So he and I will handle the wideouts, uh, you know, until we break. And then uh, once we get back from our break, Jeff will be back with us full time uh, to finish out. But he'll he'll be down there through next Wednesday. And, uh, and then again, when we reconvene to fly out to Arizona, he'll be he'll be all Clemson all the way and, and until we finish. So I'm excited about that. And, and uh, you know, same thing for Brad. Over here. Hey, Ed, Barrett Salee with CBS and Sirius XM. Um, Joe Brady gets all the love, Broyles Award and everything, but you actually have an offensive coordinator in Steve Enslinger. Yeah. Uh, how has he sort of adjusted to a, a new and sort of a different spotlight? He's the MVP. I mean, uh, Steve and I met. Uh, we knew we had to go through the spread. Uh, we wanted to find someone that could come in and put in the spread and be receptive to it. Uh, you know, he's older. He's 61. Joe's 30. They've worked like two brothers in there, been phenomenal. Steve calls most of the plays. He's worked his tail off to learn the spread offense. He's a general. Uh, Steve loves LSU, played at LSU, has been at LSU a long time. He's a very unselfish football coach, which was his best of the football team. So I think that you have to crown him the MVP of the whole deal. Question up in the back there. Don Stenson, DNA Sports Talk. First of all, congratulations to all of you coaches. Each of you can answer this, please. What is the one player or two players that have been an extension of you on the field that has put you in this position? You got it, young boat. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, tough to narrow down. Uh, we've had so many players that have, that have you know, been, been key to this run. I mean, you, you don't. You're not sitting in this chair with if you only got one or two guys that have done that. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd want to narrow it down with our team. I mean, I think our team's bought in. We were were and are very young or new, um, you know, with a totally new defensive system, new quarterback, new offensive line. There's a, a lot of new around our, our program. And for our guys to grow like they have through the year, respond to the different challenges, I think says a lot about the whole team. And I would – Kind of echo the same thing. I've got a strong senior leadership group, and uh, we got four seniors in that offensive line that have, have been amazing. And then we got a really strong group of leaders on our back seven defensively, uh, and those guys have have really set the tone uh, every week, all year. You know, I feel that the play of the offensive line has been phenomenal this year, uh, led by Lloyd Cushenberry and Damon Lewis. You look at two players exemplify what we're about in selfishness and team is uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has had a great season for us. And then Joe Burrow, 
Uh, Joe have brought the spread offense to LSU and has had a tremendous year and leads by examples. Very unselfish player, but the team first. Emily Van Buskirk, Yard Barker. This question's for all of you guys. Um, if you could characterize and sum up this year's team in one word, what would it be and why? Let's start with Dabo. Um, this year's team, one word, uh, focused. Been really focused all year. Uh, easy group uh, to coach, to prepare with every week. Every single week, they've been focused on uh, trying to get the job done. And uh, uh, that has not wavered all year long. And uh, so super proud of them. Grit. You said one word. I would say hungry. It's been uh, – they've wanted to learn. They've wanted to get better. Um, just a very strong desire to, to put themselves in positions to accomplish the things we felt like we could. Next question down in front here. Uh, Ed right here. Alex Glaze with 11 Alive. For, for years, we've heard the philosophies, defense wins championships, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the, the teams that are up here right now. Do you think that that has changed? Is it all about offense now? Do you see that kind of being – you know, I think team wins championships, obviously, and uh, we have obviously been very, very good on offense. But in order for us to get here, our defense has had to improve throughout the season. I think they have. And in order for us to get to where we want to go, our, our defense has to play very, very well in the Peach Bowl against an outstanding offense. So we're going to face outstanding offenses. So I think you have to win as a team, but I think your defense has to be very, very strong. Uh, for Dabo and, and Lincoln, uh, a good a lot a lot because of the guy in the middle here, uh, out, uh, a guy y'all are familiar with, uh, Coach Saban is not here for the first time. Is it a little odd to come to one of these things and not see Alabama uh, as part of the field? We saved a seat for him. Uh, he'll be back. Uh, don't 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 fret for Coach Saban. Uh, he's he's best to ever do it and and uh unbelievable program and they had a couple tough games this year uh, but uh, he'll he'll be back so it is a little it is a little odd to not see him that's for sure but uh he'll be uh i don't think he'll be gone very long yeah same they pack us in this little glass room here for about 30 minutes before that and the walk in there this year without him there certainly a little strange but like coach 20 said he's Obviously, one of the greats to ever do it, and I'm sure he'll be back. Over here now. Dan Matthews again, 6A, the fan. Uh, Coach Riley, as you get closer to this game and the NFL season comes to an end, your name is seemingly being thrown out there for some openings in the league. Is that something that could be a distraction for you, even with some of the rumors that are already out there with your name attached? No. Matt Connolly uh, with the state, Dabo, to your left. Um, just what kind of a loss is Jeff Scott for your staff, and then what made it so easy to promote Tyler to, to his role? Well, that's been our plan for a long time. Uh, it's just, it just – we finally got a chance to execute the plan. Uh, so it's never not been the plan. Um, you know, Tyler's been in line for that receiver job for quite a while um, and has had a couple opportunities to leave, but – just stayed and, and uh, has done a great job. But Jeff's Jeff's a, um, 
uh, a huge loss for us. I mean, he's he's like I said, been with me for 12 years, uh, uh, the GA for me, and then I when I got the interim job, I brought him in there with me and and uh, kind of trained him up, if you will. Uh, and he's he's just done a phenomenal job in everything that you've ever asked him to do. And I always one of the main reasons I hired him is prior to becoming the head coach, uh, uh, you know, Coach Bowden used to give me, I, I ran the camps, I ran the clinics. There was a lot of things that I did for Coach Bowden. And, you know, so when you're in charge of those things, you're always trying to get the GAs or the student workers or everybody to, to kind of help you out. And, you know, sometimes the full-time coaches aren't quite as antsy to, you know, uh, put the trash bags out where they need to be or whatever, uh, whatever needs to be done. And But Jeff Scott, whatever you asked him to do, he, he was – he would so far exceed what your expectation was. And I told him that. I, I told him when I was in sales, if I ever get a job, you're going to be the first guy I hire. Because uh, he was always early, always late. No job was too small for him. And I was just always so impressed with him. And literally, the day I became an interim, uh, I said, all right, here we go. Uh, and I said, if I get the job, you got a job. And he loves to tell the story. Uh, he went home that night, and he's telling his wife, Sarah, he's so excited. Coach Sweeney told me if he gets the job, we, you know, we got seven weeks to go, that that uh, he's going to hire me. And he said, and then all of a sudden, across the ESPN ticker, it said, uh, in the last 30 years, zero uh, interim coaches at the midseason got the job. Zero out of 29 or whatever it was. And uh, so – he loves to tell that, but he's he's awesome. He's he was a great uh, ambassador, great representative of our program, Clemson University, um, and uh, unbelievable recruiter too. Just did a great job, recruited a lot of great young men to to Clemson, and uh, but again, he's he's well prepared. This is uh, the right time, and you know Tyler is is uh, uh, I've literally known Tyler Grisham since the second grade. When I was the receiver coach at Alabama, he would come to camp every year. I'd coach him in camp, and then I fast-track down the road. I'm, I'm at Clemson as the receiver coach, and here comes this 10th grader from Alabama, followed me up to Clemson to camp. Uh, so I've known him his whole life, and he's always been an incredible competitor. And he's going to bring he's going to bring a lot of, uh, uh, of great stuff to that room. He'll put his own, um, you know, personality into it, and he'll be a special coach for us. Down here in the front. Anthony Patterson with the Atlanta Voice. This question is for Coach Orgeron. I know the main focus is, of course, to face to get the win against Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. But with that win, you guys will be able to go back to New Orleans in the state of Louisiana and bring back that state title. How do you remain focused? And also, how anxious are you just to get back home so you can get that it doesn't come into play at all in our minds. Uh, this is such an important game for us, and we have so much respect for Oklahoma. And uh, just like playing in the SEC, you got to take it one game at a time. And uh, you play great opponents with great, ta uh, with great talent, uh, with great coaches every week, and you have to prepare, and you have to give it your all. There's no way you can look behind. There's no way you can look ahead. you got to get the most out of each day, and that's what our team is here to do in Atlanta. Next question up in the back left there. This is for uh, Coach Sweeney. Coach Sweeney, Jonathan Simmons from Real Talk Sports here in Atlanta. A question for you, sir. Uh, you have uh, been very vocal, and rightfully so, about your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. How does that come across from time to time when you're coaching? Do you find any pushback? 
and then how does it help you when you get into difficult situations like your team maybe not being considered for this Final Four? Um, my faith is just a part of everything I do. I mean, I think uh, I don't think it's something that you can, um, you know, just flip a switch. I think it's it's got to be ingrained into your everyday life, and uh, so I just I just try to live my life that way, uh, coach that way, but I don't. Uh, my job's to win football games. Uh, I know what my job is, but I try to do it in a way that hopefully pleases uh, my maker. Over here on the, toward the front on the left. Hey, Will Vanderbilt with the Clemson Insider. Uh, Dabo, a little bit more on Tyler uh, right here. What, what, uh, what exactly does he bring to the position, and, and how is he maybe a little bit different than Jeff? Uh, because obviously he's, he's played in the NFL and things of that nature. Well, he brings great knowledge. I mean, he's 31, so he's got great, uh, you know, great, great experience, great youth uh, and energy to bring in as well. But he was a great player himself, so he just has a great understanding of the fundamentals and techniques. And then I coached him, and and so he knows me inside and out, knows exactly uh, what the expectations are for that position and uh, how we do things. Knows our offense inside and out. So I mean, it's just a, it's just a, you know, he brings continuity uh, to go along with the, with the knowledge and just, you know, he's going to be a great recruiter for us. Um, He's, going, he's already been impactful in our program the last six years. So this is just another role for him, uh, just promoting him onto the field. I think we have time for two more questions, one in the back there. Good evening. Larisha Harris with Rolling Out Magazine. You guys talked about a couple of leaders already for your team. Who would you say our guys, regardless of classification, have been unexpected leaders for you guys and have truly stepped up to the plate in that manner? I'll say I've got a, uh, a freshman, uh, the tackle that's starting for us, true freshman, uh, named Tyler Davis, you know, and I don't think you really expect a true freshman to come in and, and uh, you know, uh, do what he's done. Uh, we've had very few true freshmen start at D tackle, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. And uh, this young man has come in and, and been amazing. And he really is a leader uh, right out of the gate for us. So. He'd be one guy uh, on, on our team that, that uh, you know, I expected him to be a good player. You just never know how it's going to transition until you start coaching guys. But, uh, but, it, but then also his, his ability to lead as a, as a freshman uh, is pretty special uh, to watch. You know, Derek Stingley for us has been phenomenal. Had a phenomenal year, but he leads by example. Uh, this summer on Saturday and Sunday, his dad's a coach. Uh, Go one o'clock and go work out and look look on the football field. Him and his dad are working out with the DBs. Just a tremendous work ethic. Tre tremendous young man. I would say our two young safeties, Delaren Turner Yale and Patrick Fields, they've been instrumental in the improvements we've made defensively. Um, done a great job with Coach Grinch and his system. Um, been very impressive at a young age. Our final question here. Uh, Coach Riley, Macy O'Hurd, Crush Sports Talk. Uh, we got a chance to spend time with C.D. Lamb last night, and one of the guys that he brought up was a local kid, Jaden Hazelwood. Talk about the impact he's had in his freshman year at Oklahoma. Yeah, Jaden's done a great job. Um, he's, uh, he's really come in, uh, learned the system very fast. Uh, you know, as a uh, guy that's made a lot of plays for us this year and continues to get better and 
has an extremely bright future at Oklahoma. Um, certainly, he's a very talented kid. We were we were thrilled to, to sign him out of here, and um, has done nothing but you know just continue to make us excited about what he can do here at the end of this season, and certainly in the rest of his career. Thank you, coaches. Um, best of luck uh, in the coming weeks as you prepare for your semifinals. Uh, at this moment, we'd like to have you rise, and we're going to rearrange the stage here just a moment for a photo opportunity. So when we uh, start our photos here, if the still photographers can stand up, we'll get that shot, and then we'll ask everybody to sit down so the video can get their shot as well. So, um, yeah, Coach Riley. So. Okay, and if you could sit so the video can get their shot. Good. Okay, Coach Sweeney, you want to join them now? Again, we'll do the uh, still photographers can stand. Okay, and then video.